0: Howdy, welcome back to another episode of our weekly podcast. We know you've got a buffet of media to choose from each week. That's why we put a lot of effort into finding stories from the Bible that have relevant lessons for us today. I hope you enjoy. Good morning. I was thinking of that song, You May Have All This World, but give me Jesus. Seems like bad investment advice. Jesus have my job? Can you take my job for me and I still get Jesus? Am I happy about that? Can you take my investment portfolio? Am I happy about that? What if you can't finish your degree because you want Jesus and man, that bargain is interesting. You can you can have the whole world, you can have my whole world, but give me Jesus. Christianity is such an easy religion to profess, isn't it? But man, when it gets down to it, it makes you ask those hard questions. Well, do I really want Jesus and not the other stuff? Uh, the disciples, they asked that, uh, that question to themselves, you can imagine, many times. Are we really willing to give up the whole world, all our futures, all of our boats, all of our assets, and follow this guy from Nazareth? Seems like bad career advice. Then they watched him, they lived with him, they walked with him, they slept under the stars near him, they ate with him. And finally... There they are on the mountain. We call it the Mount of Olives. And he said a lot of wild and different things. And I just want to share with you some of those things from Matthew 24. Because the burden on their hearts in that moment was, as they came to him privately, it says, when shall these things be? What will be the sign of your return and of the end of the world? And privately, think about that, just to those guys that followed him, walked with him, talked with him, he told them, this is what you need to know. And I've tried to put some of this into my own modern words on how I would explain this to a friend of what Jesus was saying. So Jesus answered them and he says, be very careful. Many are going to try to deceive you. Remember, they asked him, tell about the sign of your coming and the end of the world. And he he starts with, be very careful. Deception is going to run rampant. You will not know what to trust. Many will claim to represent me, and they're going to try to lie to you. You're going to hear of wars and rumors of more wars, but don't stress out. These things are going to happen, but the end is not yet. Countries will rise up against other countries. States against states, even different ethnicities, will war against each other. There will be crop failure and food shortages leading to famine. There will be disease on a global scale and natural disasters, changes in the climate all over the world. And then he says this, very interesting, and all this is the beginning of the end. Then they will turn you in. They'll report you. They'll call the authorities on you. Many will be put to death. Can you imagine that? People who said, you can have the world. Give me Jesus. You will be hated by all people of the whole world because you identify as a follower of mine publicly. And then many will walk away from their faith, beliefs, principles. They'll betray their friends, their family, and eventually they'll hate each other Many leaders will rise up claiming to speak for me, yet they will lie, and they're going to lead many off the path that leads to life. Selfishness is going to skyrocket. Love for many will become extinct. But whoever can survive this tough time, anyone who can withstand the peer pressure and hold to their principles until it's all over, they will be saved for paradise then he gets into that verse that we all know. We could probably quote it. I'm using my own words here. And here's the good news. This story, this message, this life I have lived, Jesus says, the death I will die, the resurrection, and the truth of how I can transform your life and save you from your sins both now and forever. We usually use the word gospel for all that. This will go into all the world shared as a personal testimony to all the world then the story will end. That's how he started to answer their question. And see, the world needs to hear our testimony—that how God has transformed our lives and how He's made us the most kind, patient people in the community. But see, the devil knows this plan, and the devil—well, he wants you dead. And and often the way he hopes that you die is the same M.O. from the garden. God said, this is the way of life. Eat. And the devil says, no, 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 no. I've got something that tastes better. It gives you better life. It'll make you stronger, faster. This is the real fun in life. Don't eat that, eat this. You know, the leading cause of death in the United States is dinner. Scientifically proven dinner is the greatest cause of death in the United States. The most deadly weapon in America is a fork. As I was even writing these down, I thought, man, this is funny to write, but this is the most tragic thing in the whole world. That the devil... Realizes the greatest tragedy in America is, which he loves, obviously, I am helping these people kill themselves with their own forks. It'd be one thing if the devil was just killing people at random with his own hands, his own powers, but to really torture a father, it is to watch somehow their child to kill themselves. And so I want to share with you a little bit of my adventurous week. I had the opportunity to help a friend, uh, helping some individuals try and transform their life and their lifestyle. And so my assignment on Monday was, uh, we want to show the typical American pantry, and we want to show the typical American refrigerator. And then we want to show all of that swapped out for healthier options. I said, oh, yeah, that's easy. I can do that. So I drove right over to Walmart, and I walked in, and I said, okay, this is a lot of work, so this is going to take me a little while. It ended up taking me four hours. I know, I don't know how. Buggy one. I start to go around, and I realize, okay, the unhealthy American lifestyle that we're killing ourselves with I went to the section where I usually go, lots of colors. I thought, this is not the right section. And I thought, where do you go? I, I think you go to that end of the store. Okay, so I start to go down to that end of the store. And I thought, what's my strategy here? I don't eat like this. So I thought, all right, there's, there's got to be a strategy. So, you know, I kind of start to peek in other people's carts. <laughs> and I'm trying to turn off my typical filters, which are that stuff will kill you. (laughs) Because now I'm on a mission, I'm trying to kill people. And myself, if possible. I need to shop like I want to commit suicide. Forgive my strong language. I've lost friends and family who've killed themselves with a fork, so I need a little freedom to tell you how passionate I am about it. So I thought, all right, what's the strategy here? So there's things that I knew. I knew, okay, our tax dollars subsidize the beef industry. That's why that's cheaper than that pineapple. That doesn't make sense. I know that our tax dollars subsidize the dairy industry. That's why that milk is cheaper than that milk. And yet that milk should be $14 a gallon, and yet it's two. And so I'm having an internal war, and this is, this is very hard for me. No wonder it took four hours. I probably roamed for a minute just fuming. So finally, I got my cart, and I go, okay, here's the strategy. I need to get ideas from other people. I have to shop in a different section, and I have to look at the largest things for the cheapest amount of money, because this is America. Bigger is better. So I just started to go down the aisle. What is the biggest, brightest colored thing on this shelf for the cheapest amount of money? That's going in my cart. And I had to get some validation from other carts. Anybody else buy this? Oh, good. Okay. In the cart. And I just started to load up the cart. And I went down aisle by aisle and I thought, yeah, yeah. And a lot of the stuff was food that I used to like to enjoy. So it's like some of it, you know, you reminisce like, oh, tons of donuts. Yes. No, I got one thing. Frozen pizzas. Yes. You know, you put all these things in your cart. My cart is overflowing, I thought, you know what, yeah, there's a little fruit. There's, you know, even if we're unhealthy, we still try and do some things we do. So I tried to be a little moderate and went up to the colorful section and got a few things and put it in there and went to the, you know, 96 lines, two humans still work in the store. And I'm like, I want to give you a job. I don't want your job. You have your job. So I went in that line. And uh, I just started to unload all this. And I'm thinking, I'm already texting with someone, and I said, what do you bet this whole cart overflowing is less than $200? And they're like, no, nah, not possible. I'm like, I think it is. So I took a picture of myself with the cart, obviously. And then a the cart just ringing up, ringing up, ringing up. Anyway, $180. $180. And enough food to feed an army, right? Even though we have, what's the, what's the phrase? Full stomach starvation in the United States. I eat till I'm full and then I'm starving. Not long after. So I do that. I take it to the car. I put it in the car. And I thought, you know, I actually think this Walmart seems to have some healthy stuff. I'm going to go back in Walmart and uh, try and do the replacement stuff. So I go around, and I'm like, all right, now I'm going to try and shop like I shop, yet it's got to be pretty close to the other, just alternatives. So, you know, I wasn't really trying to make everything from scratch. That's definitely, you want to get super healthy, just make all your food from scratch, and there's the ideal. But I thought, eh, that's not as likely for a lot of us, so what are the replacement stuff? So I just start to put stuff in the buggy, and I'm like, yep, this, 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 this. Well, I get to the point where I'm like, yeah, that's about it. Because, you know, I had some two-liter sodas in the other things, some other things. And I thought, no, nah, can't do that on this one. So there was less. Well, I get up to the cart, the register, and my cart's about half full now. I thought, Oh, that's interesting. There seems to be less food. But now I'm like, this is going to be more than 200 $220. I thought, man, if we ever want to know what we did to destroy a nation, that's what we did. We subsidized disease. And we marketed it to make it look sexy. So I take that to the car and I put that there. And I just had this thought of, what in the world has happened? And so I go and and these individuals getting their health healthy. I met a guy from the West Coast, nicest guy. But he realizes, if I don't change my life, I'm dead. I'm not kind of dead, I'm not, I'm dead. And uh, I told him about my dad's testimony. I told him, look, you know, a lot of us eat to get comfort that we're not getting from somewhere else, to cover pain that happened a long time ago. And I said, so what I learned along the way was, as, as my dad went through an experience of recovering his health, I learned that for most of us to start a diet or to try and get healthy, the worst thing you can do is just take the bad stuff away and give me rabbit food. Let me just eat salad. So I'm thinking that in my mind, right? Well, I told him, I said, hey, what I've seen is there's somebody in your life you're angry with. They may be dead. You got to forgive them. You in your own life need that peace of mind. You have to forgive them. Or there's somebody you've wronged and you have to go ask for their forgiveness. Man, that, you ever ever look at somebody and they realize this was something I needed to hear? And it was like absolute resonance. But I watched and I, and I, I just, I saw this reality that and if you don't know, you can be killing yourself and you don't know. And it's, uh, it's a hard thing to think. If somebody knew I was killing myself and they knew how I was killing myself, that they wouldn't tell me on how to stop, how to find a better way through life. And I learned this week, it was a great reminder once again, that the path to health is a path. As long as you're on it, you're on it. And at the end of the path, is lots of salads and colorful food. But the dangerous thing is to tell people, now, if you get on the path, you have to hurry up to get to there, and the truth is, your taste buds don't allow you to get there. I, I, uh, one morning, I made all these smoothies, and I'm like, oh, I like to make smoothies, so I'm putting spinach in there and fruit and uh, some, some plant-based protein powder, all this different stuff. And I let some. I try it, because I'm like, you know, I keep straight making batch after batch after batch. And I try one, and I'm like, ooh, that's pretty good. So I pour some out, and I'm like, hey, would you like to try some? And this individual tries it and says, yuck. And I pour it, of course, a big glass, right? I'm like, oh, no. And I'm thinking, what just happened? Did I, I must have tried the wrong thing. Oh. Then I'm like, what? So I pour another one. And I'm like, hey, would you try this? I go to another individual. Man, you're going to go out of business if you make stuff like that. Oh, no, this is terrible. But then suspiciously, I'm like, wait a second. I go to somebody else who I know makes smoothies like this. Hey, would you try this? Is this disgusting? They try it. This is unbelievable. What did you put in this? And I thought, well, wait a second. So I go to one more person just to double check. And now it's two to two because they thought it was the best thing they ever tasted. And it made me realize that what we don't often get credit for is when you're trying to make a change in life, you have to do it at a pace you can do it. Your taste buds are different. Don't tell somebody you've got to eat this way if they're like, hold on, I eat like this. Let me start here. Let me start with baby steps. And so I thought, it'd be interesting this morning if we look at this because there's some ramifications uh, in the world today that I think pertain to this discussion. So I'm going to go through this. If you want to turn with me quickly, we're going to go through Scripture a little bit. But there are four diets in Scripture that we learn about. So the first one is in Genesis 129. This diet, and if you just want to make a reference or you want to look at it, this diet was the diet of Eden. God put them in a garden. And he said, look, you want to live forever? This is what you eat. Everything is blossoming all the time. It's fresh. It's ripe. Go get it. And so the fruits, the nuts, the seeds, all this stuff, boy, they could eat to their heart's content. Obviously, the devil said, I know he gave you all that stuff, but I got something better. Wasn't even really, quote unquote, bad for them. It's just an alternative. All right, so that's Genesis 1.29. We call that, let's say that's the original diet. Then sin happens and they have to leave the garden. If you want to make a reference of Genesis 3, verses 17 to 19, I call this one the restoration diet. Because now you bring in all the leafy greens and some of the vegetables and things that now your blood has toxins you have to get out of your body Now you need assistance with that. So now you add this diet into the mix. This diet is is living food. It's alive. It's plants, not made in a plant, right? Then you get another diet. We'll call this one the empire diet. This is the one that we know of Atlantis and Egypt and Babylon and Greece and Rome and America. This diet is mostly dead food. Secondhand food. When we dig up these, the archaeological sites of these ancient civilizations, we find tons and tons of animal bones that we know they ate the animals. And we also know they had tons of lifestyle diseases. Our lifestyle diseases aren't a new thing. They had them too. If you eat like them, we experience the same issues as them. The, the Egyptian mummification process we can dig up today We know what their diet was like, and we know they were suffering from heart disease, high blood pressure, all the things, cancer, diabetes, all the things we suffer with today. And then you have a diet for, after the flood, we'll call this one the diluvian diet. This is when God says, look, the earth has been destroyed, now you can eat meat, but just make sure when you eat it, you drain the blood, and then today we call this kosher or halal. It's reaffirmed in the, in the New Testament in the book of Acts. And this, the key of this diet was, it wasn't don't eat plants, don't eat life. But it was very distinct, but don't eat the blood. Don't eat the blood. So, so this, based on my interpretation of this, unless restaurants are serving kosher food, it's unclean. And I know I'm gonna step on some toes with that. But the, the blood hasn't been drained. If you ever had kosher meat, it don't taste like meat. Why would this happen? Why would God give us such an extreme diet? It might be because he knew if you eat like all the ancient empires, you will shorten your life, you'll have pains, aches, inflammation, you won't live a long life, and you're gonna have all these diseases along the way. Washington Post just this week came out with a study based on a meta-analysis of 99 studies. Not one study, not two, 99 studies. So this takes a lot of time, a lot of people to compile, and they they made it clear. A plant-based diet is the best way to avoid, avoid heart disease. So, you know, sometimes in life, we wait for science to validate Scripture. Will science prove what my convictions say or what I read or how I interpret? The problem is often... Well, science tells us a new thing tomorrow that they didn't tell us today. And so what we're learning today, we wouldn't have had to suffer if you've had family members like me die from these lifestyle diseases. Man. The body, we're described in in 1 Corinthians 6, 19. The body, do you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God, you are not your own. It's a really profound idea that if you didn't create yourself and you didn't redeem yourself, then God is somehow in a very unique way saying, I own you. If you want to give your life to me, I own you. And you're not your own. You think about it. If you own this magnificent structure, this week as as, we working on this program, we were next to this home and I thought, man, that, that house is pretty. It's right on the beach. And so I like to, uh, with my past and building some things, I always like to know, what they, what's the value of that? So I love to play the game because I found out, you know, Zillow, it's like the secret spying. So I went on there and I thought, okay, now I know I started asking folks, what do you think that is? And oh, they're like, oh, I don't know, 4 million, 6 million," And I'm just loving it. I'm like, 17 million. And it was just, Stunning. You know, your spa faces the ocean, your rooftop pool is up there, and your, your ground level pool is down here. And I thought, man, that's a house you would take care of. We take our cars, and we make sure the oil is changed if we want it to last a long time. But what I explained to this individual this week, I said, look, I don't know if you're religious or not, and you don't have to be religious, But I think we have enough evidence in the world to know there are two forces fighting through this whole experience. One seems to be love and kindness. It's unexplainable. It makes us cry when we watch a movie or read a book. And the other, selfishness. And we want justice to do what's right to selfishness. And I said, so as you go into a store to shop for your food, you need to know someone out there wants you dead. And someone out there wants you to be alive. And you have to determine who's who behind anything you put in your body. The good news is we also have some science to back these up. God has been so merciful to us in this moment. Diets one and two, the ones with plants. Uh, We read about the China study. Have you ever heard of the China study? We read about the blue zones, the longest living Americans, the longest living people in the world. What are their common traits? We read about the countless studies from Loma Linda University and Adventist University out on the West Coast in Southern California. And as they do these studies, they find the secrets of why do people live longer? How do they live longer? And they keep building on each other. The the one in Loma Linda is fascinating. It's, It's the most amount of people that live to 100 and live vivaciously to 100. And I I think one of the most underplayed elements of that healthy lifestyle is they take a holiday every Saturday. It's not the best method of getting ahead in the world to take a day off, but this group says, no, every Saturday we take it off. They did a study of Seventh-day Adventists around the world, how many eat a plant-based diet? And they found 5%. Yet the science coming out of Loma Linda shows this is the way You live the longest, healthiest life to do all the things you wanted to do throughout your whole life. It doesn't have to stop when you're 60 or 70 years old. You can do it till you're 100. But I have a little beef. Because the world knows this. Now we know this. And yet, through the last year, when the whole world is dying, from what we now know from the British Medical Journal is the greatest way to reduce your symptoms of COVID severity, a plant-based diet. The Adventists knew that. They knew all the benefits of a plant-based diet. They knew that it prevents and reverses heart disease and all these lifestyle diseases. And, and I, the only words that come to mind are the words of Jesus in Luke 10, 14. Tyre and Sidon. Will be better off in the day of judgment than you. We can see. We know the weapon of mass destruction in America, the fork. I'm going to get a little personal. We as Seventh Adventists. we know this, and we have known this for a long time. We have stood by while families lose their fathers. Because we have not told them, did you know this? It was an amazing reminder this week to meet individuals that had never heard things like this. And to say, you knew this? You know this? Oh, yeah, I know this. I mean, there's so many benefits to this. Oh, man, this, 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 this. It's criminal. I think it's criminal. If you know something that can help someone else and you don't tell them, it's criminal. If people come around us, if they come to our churches, if they come to our healthcare systems and they don't hear why we live to a hundred more than any other American and how we do it and how we have the least amount of disease and they come into our establishment and so as not to single anyone else, I'll say church and hospital and they leave. What if they find out later what you served me, what you didn't tell me, was that what you're doing behind closed doors helps you live to a hundred, but from what you know, are you trying to kill me? Think about it. I learned this week about a number of athletes from a chef to athletes who said there's a little unwritten thing that is not spoken right now in the athletic world of how many of them are eating a plant-based diet. But they would lose out on the big deals, on the big sponsorships, on the big money, which to those athlete friends that I hope one day are sitting in this front row, you're living a hypocritical life. You're telling children that the way you have the ability to score 42 points in a game is to drink milk before the game. When we know, you don't drink milk. You're an actor. The things we do for money today, both as individuals that know this health message and those who may not fully know it yet. You know, Diet 3, the Egyptians, they had all these diseases. We know that today. If we put our trust just in the latest medical science... If we go back in time, the latest medical science would tell us you need to start smoking. The majority of doctors tell you it's good to smoke. We have the science. I have the ads on my computer when this was a reality. Moms, if you really want to take care of your kids, I have the ads to show you this. You'll laugh. You need to be giving them Coca-Cola, especially your babies. Most doctors agree. If we wait on the science, you will be angry that the science didn't tell you that earlier. And rightfully so. Because the majority tells us these things along the way. And and James 14 tells us, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. There are things you know you should eat and you shouldn't eat. And when you learn of something... The worst thing you could do is for me to get up here and tell you, here's what you should eat, here's what you shouldn't eat. That's that's a dangerous world because guess what? We learn more in life. We learn what's good for us. We learn what's not. And then we have to know, is somebody out for my good in providing this food? Are they trying to hurt me? And then how is that eating and drinking leading us to be more kind and patient and temperate? We've known for over 100 years that the hormones from these animals that we kill, they are stressed, anxious, angry, and when we eat them or their byproducts, it is no wonder why we get stressed, anxious, worrisome. There's even prison studies that show when they give the inmates a healthy plant-based diet, the violence drops significantly. The recidivism, even when they get out and they keep this going, they don't come back. It lowers the rate drastically, which is bad for the prison system's business, by the way. So I think there's four reasons. Four reasons to consider eating as healthy as you possibly can, which may look different from the person sitting next to you. Four reasons. Number one, health. We live in this unique moment where we've, we've flipped what is good and evil, light and darkness. And I almost think right now we could argue, you should eat broccoli to make your neighbor healthier. It's very confusing, the moment we live in. But for health reasons... The science is clear, you should eat healthier to prevent and reverse lifestyle diseases. I heard these individuals this week share, what's the reason you want to be healthy? Why do you want to change your life? And yeah, a few said, you know, for me, I want to look better in clothes. Is there anything wrong with that? No. I want to exercise like I used to. Yeah, good for you. But the majority was for my kids and grandkids. I want to be there for them. I want to be around for them. So the science is clear on that. We talked about the science of lowering COVID severity per the British Medical Journal by 73%. Eating healthy, eating this plant-based diet. Which then lowers your odds of being in an internal, I mean, a green zone. Let me show you with you about that. CDC just announced, you know, the shielding approach aims to reduce the number of severe COVID-19 cases by limiting contact between individuals at higher risk of developing severe disease and the general population. High-risk individuals would be temporarily relocated to safe or green zones established at the household, neighborhood, camp, or sector or community level, depending on the context and setting. They would have minimal contact with family members and other low-risk residents. Just because you're not that healthy? I wish that was uh, North Korean Plans. That's in the nation where men go and die for this country. So, if you need another motivator, we have the science that shows we well, can be healthier here. Um, that's a wild thing. I probably preach a sermon on that. I won't. So, there's there's health reasons to be healthy. World Health Organization. What's the greatest cause of man made climate change? Well, they're clear, at least in one of their reports that recently was done. It's not your car, it's not to ride a bike, it's your fork. We're destroying the world so we can eat it. We clear cut rainforests so we can grow cows, so we can grow corn to feed the cows. Animal welfare, nothing else. There's a world that existed in the past that will exist in the future where we didn't kill our pets to eat them. And I just want to say this. If you're going to eat meat, try and eat it from people who have a conscience in how they raise these animals. Not not this industry that's destroying the world and pumping it with antibiotics, and they don't care about your health. They're subsidized by people that want you dead. Like, you really need to know that. Take your health into your own hands. I'm extremely passionate about this. And then the last one, spirituality. We have a quote from Ellen White from long ago, and if anybody hasn't heard that name before, Ellen White was an early Seventh-day Adventist, who started to share all these ideas of here's how we get ahead of the curve of disease and health in the world. And if we had seized her ideas and taken them to the bank, I did an assessment this morning on the market capitalization of all the plant-based food companies in this country. And a Seventh-day Adventists would hands down be the richest people in the whole world. Hands down. But Ellen White makes a statement, the brain nerves are the only way God can communicate with you. I talked to someone recently, I said, hey, you know, uh, I understand health is important, but man, we gotta get the spiritual message out. And he shares with me a quote from Ellen White about a camp meeting that was taking place and this idea that there were people in the camp meeting, they were so unhealthy, they had high blood pressure, they had all these lifestyle, they did not comprehend the message. If you've ever been sick or you've ever had a headache or you've ever been in a condition where you're like, this could be the greatest thing happening, a birthday party, a marriage, anything else, but if you don't feel good, You're just not there. You're not present. And if you're not present in this idea, how's God going to really get your attention? How is He gonna really convince you, give up the world and take Jesus? So there's these these three ideas. I I looked, I put them here as the what, why, and the how. The what is Romans 12:1. I urge you, brothers and sisters. In view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. If people are sick and dying, they're not here in church praying with us. Have we neglected maybe the most important thing? Helping people just feel good, feel healthy. And then John 10.10. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. If you could remember one verse to go into the grocery store or when you're ordering your dinner, what has life and what has death? Deuteronomy 30, 19, I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. I'll never forget, uh, somebody said to me one time, he says, you know why diabetes runs in my family? Because my family don't run. (laughs) I said, well, okay, that's your words. That's not mine. But I think those light jokes, they're very serious when we have people suffering with those things around us. And as that verse in, in Matthew tells us, of how the gospel gets into all the world. It is not through a satellite or a webpage or a podcast. It's through a testimony that you have that you can share with other people. We have all these opportunities through the week where we're either living or dying in the things we're doing or the things we're not doing in the the words we're using or the words we're not using. And we have this constant opportunity to see life and death. And we see the ramifications today. Think about it. The scientific community is clear, at least in a couple studies that aren't widely promoted, that we know the best way forward to health. And yet we don't hear that. That's not headline news tonight. Go out and find your closest banana. It's your ticket out of this crisis. You're not going to hear that. But you will hear there's a product you can buy that helps you with X, Y, or Z. It's in, it's in our commercials. It's, it's everywhere in our culture that there's a quick fix. There's an easy way out of this. And somehow God says, long before he says, no, 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 the easy way out is go outside, it's free. Even to the point of us who may have the privilege, grow a little of your food, it's almost free. Get some sunshine, get some fresh air, drink some water, get plenty of sleep. Everything the world says, no, 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 don't sleep, watch this, work late. All the things God says are, hey, life. And the world says, no, 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 no. I got a better way. I know you've heard that's the way to life, but this right here is the way to life. And my prayer for us is we can be living examples with a testimony that people see and want to be around. And they don't really know why at first. But there's something, there's something I can't quite put my hands on. These people, they seem to love each other. They seem to be healthy. And you don't find that in most churches. I hope everyone here realizes the oddity of this very church. Most prayer services are a list of diseased individuals that are likely not to make it. So my burden is, how do we start to share this with everyone we know? Because whether we understand it or not, it is a life and death issue for many people. But hear me clearly, and here's my great caveat. It's a path. The trick is to get on it. To not shame someone if you're on level 10 and they're on level one. It's to cheer people on, on the path. When they slip off the path, cheer them, encourage them, help them to get back on. To continue to make strides and advances. And though some of us may go slower than the rest of us, we're on the path. And that's what matters